Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, it's hard to believe we're, I don't know, way into fall here. I mean, <laughs> it's good almost grief. Halloween. It's almost Halloween, yeah. And I mean, football is gearing up. We've already had, we're halfway through the season already. Yeah. It's um, exciting weekend coming up football wise. Got a big, got some big games coming up. I mean, Georgia plays Vandy, you know, right. Vanderbilt. Yep. So um, that should be an easy game, I think, for them. Um, Alabama plays Tennessee. You know what? And I'm hearing if they don't have Bryce Young back, they may lose that. Yeah, one. that's at Tennessee. Yeah, that's real. I mean, Tennessee's real this year. I mean, they're number six in the country. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that will be a great game. Clemson plays Florida State. There's certainly no pushover this year. So, you know, they'll uh, they'll be giving us all we can handle for sure. And I'm, um, I'm a little disappointed. I didn't even comment on my tie. On your tie? Yes. Oh, you got the Carolina tie on. I've got my Gamecock. Well, you tie. guys are not even playing this Dude, week, Dude, we won man. last week. Okay. We're 4-2. We beat Kentucky on the road, so I'm celebrating while I, I can. Don't, I don't blame you. You <clears> should celebrate. You know, I don't get to wear this tie very often. That so. doesn't happen very often. That's right. I so, have it today. Uh, <laughs> hey, that, that's a good-looking tie. You know, I always yeah. like always like the colors. The you garnet know, and the black. Garnet and black, sharp, sharp-looking combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. doubt. So I'll give you kudos for that one. Yeah, and we also, we're in our almost 10th tenth, tenth month of a... Uh, Tough market. It's right? been a tough Ooh, market. I tough. mean, yeah, the bear market moves on, you know, and so we're going to, of course, talk about that because um, that is top on everybody's mind when it comes to finances and investments. And so we're going to, one of the things we're going to talk about is uh, managing your emotions in these tumultuous markets. Um, John, you know, there's some, there's some techniques you need to employ to be able to kind of keep your head on straight and not make some rash decisions during these types of markets and we have some tips from experts at yes. behavioral science and how to yeah. how to kind of keep yourself in check when it comes to that so yeah you know what's interesting is um, the S&P 500 this week is down about 25% which is um, yeah. you know it's a bear market over 20 20% is but we're starting to to see fatigue in people this is the 10th month um, that you know the, the 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 markets have trended down. There's been a month or two that's been up, but ten months. And during the pandemic, the S and P was down more than where we are now. But it that's was just right. much quicker. Um, yes, from a market standpoint. So we seeing seeing a lot of fatigue out there. And so these, <laughs> I think your your article is very very timely. And uh, we're right. also going to discuss. Um, you know, we're going to get the crystal ball out, Steve, and look at 2023. Well, yeah, at least let's not do our it. crystal ball, but that's um, right. We're gonna we're gonna make fun a little bit of the uh, market analyst out there because um, right. they really missed twenty twenty two. They did, and I suspect they've turned a little sour. I haven't even read ahead yeah. to kind of see what they're predicting, but yeah. I bet they've turned a little sour on twenty twenty three. Yeah, there's there's some negative twenty twenty threes, but there's also a lot of positives, okay. and so it's uh, it, it'll be a good discussion. I mean, no one knows, um, and that even goes on in this article that says these analysts really don't like doing these forecasts because no one knows. I mean, there's so yeah, many outside always, events. They're I mean, always wrong. Yeah, but it's fun to look at um, and kind of have that discussion of hey, there's there's predictions out there now uh, for the stock market, and, and no one truly knows where it's going to go this year or or next year. We can just look back at history and make some projections, and that's kind of what they're doing. Yeah, that's right. Well, that'll be interesting, nonetheless, to look ahead like that. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 27 years' experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey Certified Counselor. I have an MBA in finance and been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 30 years. 
We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, go to our website, moneymd.net. We have the link to the podcast. You can listen to um, to previous sessions. I mean, we're, we're talking a lot about the markets now, but we talk about long-term care insurance, college planning, um, you know, kids and money, you know, things like that. So there's a lot of good history that you can go back and listen to. And also, if you go to our Facebook page, moneymd.net, we have a prescription of the week every week. Yeah, a lot of information out there, and uh, you can link to us uh, as well on our mon- website, moneymd.net, where you can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, and we will talk about those right here on the show. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, and again, as we we, we talk through this today and, and really every day, is no one can predict the markets, but looking back at history a little bit, you can glean... Some useful data. Uh, one of the big market facts that we look at is 75% of the years are positive, 25% are negative. That's just kind of a macro, right. um, you know, just uh, there are negative years. We're going through one right now. But, you know, when you look back at the last 10 bear markets, uh, like this one from the last 50 years, um, we see some very compelling stats um, that, you know, should support sticking with your investments and not panicking during these times. And the research shows that um, once the stock market hits the bear market territory, which is down 20%, the average return over the next 12 months was 15%, and uh, over the next two years was 26%. And if you remove some of the, the major bear markets, such as 9-11 and uh, the 2008 financial crisis, the, the next 12 months was even more impressive at 29% up and uh, 43% over the next 24 months. Now, Past performance does not guarantee future results. That's right. So no, no guarantees. It's just looking back at history a little bit and seeing seeing what's happened, and that's why a lot of us preach: stay invested, stick with your your strategy. These times, the reasons are always different, but markets do go down, and they've historically always recovered. That's right. I mean, seven out of ten, you know, average twenty nine percent over the next twelve months from this point. You know, when you're down twenty percent plus. In a bear market like today, um, so it just shows you that odds are greatly in your favor for sticking to your strategy, staying invested, not panicking, not trying to jump out and sit on the sidelines. I mean, if you do, if you were sit on the side, sitting on the sidelines, the odds are greatly against you. Yeah, that you're going to miss a big recovery. Yep. You know, seven out of ten times. You know, so um, yeah, you just you just don't want to play that game. Um, you know, just think, I mean, a year from now, looking back, the odds are greatly in your favor that this would look like a great time to buy into the stock market. So, yeah, that's a good, that's a good fact. I mean, we don't know where it's going to go from here, but uh, yeah, stick, stick with your investments and that's uh, a good strategy. That's right. And that's a good segue into our first topic. And that is managing your emotions in tumultuous markets like this, Um, because knowing history and kind of putting it in perspective is a big piece of being able to manage your mm-hmm. emotions. Um, but this comes from an article out of Bottom Line Personal um, pretty recently. <clears throat> um, but, John, you know, for an investor, I mean, one of the most effective tools during these tumultuous markets like this is to just keep a lot of room between your decision-making and your financial fears and instincts, you know. I mean, don't let your fears and instincts affect your decisions, Right. Um, but it's not that easy, right? Um, you know, you're repeatedly kind of, you know, buffeted by anxiety, um, you know, hope, despair. (laughs) I mean, you know, your portfolio, it really is a roller coaster and your portfolio constantly seems in danger of, of being thrown off track, you know? So, 
among the biggest challenges, though, is to be able to avoid giving in to the extreme and often contradictory urges that you feel. And so there's a behavioral psychologist, uh, Frank Murtha, um, who explains how investors can protect themselves from their worst impulses and to kind of face the reality of what's happening without panicking and to come out of the market turmoil in good financial shape. But first, though, you know, here's a kind of a summary of some of the most damaging and extreme behaviors that lead investors astray, and then followed by some advice of how to prevent those behaviors from wrecking your long-term financial plan. So avoid these destructive behaviors. Yeah, the first one is um, its opposite, paralysis or hyperactivity, and either you're you avoid looking at your investment accounts altogether, and we hear that sometimes, or you check them too often daily uh, and tamper with them too much. So instead, have a, a reasonable routine for checking your investments. Maybe it's monthly. I mean, we send out monthly statements. Right. It's a reasonable time frame to take a look at it, maybe quarterly, um, but don't dwell on them. I mean, you once you have a sound strategy and you've implemented your plan, you got to allow it to, to work without dwelling on the day-to-day gyrations or even month to month. I mean, when we do the planning process, I mean, we include negative years, about 25% are, are negative built into that. So it's, it's kind of part of the process. So just kind of, you know, you can look at it, ask questions, understand it, but don't uh, obsess over it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this one kind of relates to that. And, and it's, it's buying on the slides or, or excuse me, selling whenever it slides or buying on the rallies. Um, you know, it's that, it's that hyper trading. I mean, you become emotionally reactive you're exiting at the worst time when your investments have just plunged or you're jumping in to the market after the market has already gone up and soared. You know, this is simply timing the market based on your emotions. And you have to avoid this if you're going to be successful. I mean, again, set your discipline strategy in place and stick to it regardless of what your emotions are telling you. Emotions will often lead you to make terrible decisions with your investments. So you have to avoid you know, the timing the market based on your emotions. Um, and then next is ignoring your plan or abandoning it. Um, you know, you take actions that are that contradict your long-term investment plan or you alter the plan unnecessarily. Um, you know, it takes an immense amount of patience to be successful in investing. You know, during down markets like this year, it's easy to question your strategy and your results. But markets work in kind of four to six year cycles, you know, through bull and bear markets. Those are long cycles and you really need to give your investment strategy an entire cycle before you evaluate its success or failure. Um, So be patient. Allow your plan to work over an entire market cycle. Yeah. So to avoid going astray, you've got to set up some protections, some systems to help you stay on track, some guardrails, we'll call them. Um, putting them around your financial plan to help you, you know, stay on track and buffer your emotions. Uh, I mean, one of them, quite frankly, is, you know, having an, an advisor, someone you can call and talk yeah. to and get questions from. There's some other things that we're going to go through here, um, but having some guardrails to, uh, to keep you from making these emotional decisions is important. Yeah. So here's the first one that they mentioned, and that is to record a short video of yourself explaining your long-term investment plan. Um, you know, while this might seem a little bit cheesy, you know, to record yourself talking about your investment plan, um, it's really a powerful tool, though, to help solidify your plan and kind of ingrain it in your memory to have you auditorily, you know, rehearse it. Um, you know, the video should cover how much 
you allocate to stocks and bonds and why, and your tolerance for risk and your time horizon. Now, you know, many advisors recommend to write down that plan and to read through it during tough times, but it's not enough, always enough, just to provide, you know, the kind of self-discipline you need. Uh, it's very powerful to hear yourself say it and to speak it. Um, so talk directly to yourself in a video and then say something like, you know, the stock market may not recover for a long time um, <clears throat> and, you know, you're wavering, but you knew this day would come. You can handle the storm because you have a solid, well-thought-out plan and, you know, you promise to stick to it no matter what. Um, you should be able to weather setbacks and to have years of your, for your portfolio to recover. Understand your discomfort now is the price you pay for long-term wealth. So you just kind of kind of come up with a, yeah. a script like that, rehearse it to yourself, and hear yourself say it. It, it does help just kind of ingrain that in your long-term philosophy. So the next one here is to make it a hassle to check your investments um, you know, obsessively. Um, you know, checking multiple times a day or even daily, you know, puts on your um, puts you on kind of on that emotional roller coaster and it increases the likelihood that you're going to engage in this self-destructive panic trading. Um, you can mitigate this compulsory checking by making it slightly harder to access your account online to discourage the kind of obsessing on it daily. You know, for example, I mean, we've seen clients delete their app from their smartphones, mm -hmm. you know, and um, who elect not to save their passwords on their brokerage site, you know, force them to, to re-enter it every time, go look it up. Um, and who opt for kind of a two-step, you know, security verification so that when they log in, it requires them to receive some input from, you know, an additional code or something. Just make it a little bit harder on yourself might be a good tool to help you keep from obsessing over it and just logging in and just, you know, just seeing it on your phone yep. several times a day. Yeah. And so another thing that you can do is hide the cost basis on your investments when you look at it online. I mean, a lot of websites show you how your investments have performed, which is good over various periods. Um, and how it's performing compared to the overall market. And seeing this data triggers what's known as an anchoring effect. I mean, you're focused on arbitrary short-term values that could cause you to react negatively uh, at the expense of your long-term long objectives. So a stock price, you know, doesn't care when you bought it at all. I mean, it, it really matters the investments at the prices, um, you know, over time. And of course, you may want to consider you know, what effect selling a taxable investment is on taxes, but that shouldn't be the primary consideration of selling a stock. And let me just talk about the anchoring effect. I mean, yeah, I agree. What's interesting here is um, let's say you bought the S&P 500 in January at, let's say, Fidelity. Right. And three years before that, you had the S&P 500 index at Vanguard. Yep. So you're you're you've lost money at Fidelity in the S and P five hundred twenty five percent, but the three years prior to that, you made sixty to seventy percent. You made a huge return. And yeah. so, but you've got that one number locked Anch in anchor locked anchor. in the high watermark. That's everybody, right. Everybody remembers the high watermark. Yeah. It's amazing how clients can remember the high watermark in the portfolio. Yeah, but those three years were supersized returns, right? I right. mean, so right. you, you got to. This mental part of this is, is difficult. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it is amazing to me over my experience how well clients, and we all tend to remember the high watermark on our portfolio when yeah. you checked it, you know, whatever that higher num highest number was. And you can't use that as your measure going forward. 
right? It was a high watermark. Yeah. You know, it's it wasn't like the beginning value of your portfolio. It was it was just one point in history where it hits hit that high watermark. Everybody wants to see it go higher and higher. Yeah. And that's not reality. You know, a lot of times it doesn't cross that high watermark for a couple of years again. So you, you got to just look at it long term. And, and I think, yeah, I think keeping yourselves um, maybe hiding the cost basis is a good tool. Um, well, you know, or, at, or you can think back five yeah. years ago, where was your portfolio? Well, look at your plan as well. If you're, if you need, you know, 7% for your plan over the last four years, have you gotten 7%? I mean, it's, Right, and the rate of return every year is going to be different. Um, so it's really looking at your plan and making sure you're on track. Yeah, and like we said before, looking over a full market cycle and not yeah. just you know remembering that high water mark. So that's a good tip. Another one is invest in baby steps. You know, many investors um, in in current bear markets they they feel that they must make perfect market timing decisions and not or, or not do anything at all. Um, which often leads to kind of paralysis. Um, so, for example, you know, some clients have to stop adding money to their 401k plans until they feel certain that the market has hit rock bottom. You know, others will no longer believe in a particular stock or, or you know, fund that they own, um, you know, because it, it maybe, you know, has not done well recently. Um, so this kind of all or nothing approach, it kind of greatly in, increases risk, leads to paralysis, um, you know, where you're always second guessing yourself. So it's better just to kind of aim for making good decisions over time rather than great ones by acting very systematically. Like instead, you know, just have a systematic approach for adding, adding money to your portfolio, doing simple dollar cost averaging, spacing your investments out over time, adding over time and having a discipline rather than trying to time it and trying to hit the perfect point to always put money in. Yeah, another thing you can do is Maria Kondo your personal finances. And I wasn't familiar with Kondo, Maria Kondo, she, but she's a best-selling Japanese author. Um, she organize, She's an organizing consultant whose message uh, touting the powerful effects of just cleaning up, organizing, um, and the and you can apply this in the investor side as well. So you can relieve maybe some anxiety about the markets in your portfolio by taking some smaller actions in areas that you control. And personal finance, maybe calling your credit card company and negotiating a lower interest rate on uh, unpaid balances. Maybe you open up an online savings account that offers a higher yield. Uh, you know, banks and credit unions are typically still very low uh, interest rate yep. wise, and there's some folks that are paying two percent plus now. So uh, maybe you learn how to deposit checks remotely with your smartphone, consolidating some old retirement accounts into one IRA would be another reasonable step. And it certainly won't eliminate the market volatility, but it helps you feel more in control of what you have and you're taking some positive steps that'll help you long-term. Yeah. Those positive steps really do reinforce good behaviors. That's a great thing to do. And the last one here is to make your investment actions accountable to a family member or friend or an advisor. Um, you know, the intense shame associated with steep losses, they tend to isolate investors and they kind of stick into your own heads, you know, and they wind up making irrational investment moves to satisfy their emotional needs. You know, for example, um, you know, he gives an example here of a client had a well-diversified portfolio, but they recently were so upset and embarrassed about their financial shape after the market dropped that they wanted to move most of their retirement portfolio into cash. You know, he was told he needed to be upfront with his wife about any big moves um, and to sleep on that, you know, <clears throat> and before doing anything. Um, 
So, but, you know, after talking to his his wife, it kind of relieved his fin- psychological burden for that. And uh, he was able to distance himself and, and, and abandon making, you know, that kind of that rash decision. So having some accountability is a big help and it will just help you to, you know, take a step back and um, not make those rash decisions yep. that you tend to make. So there you go. There are some of the tips for See. how to... See a lot of emotions now. It really is. I mean, it's yeah. getting emotional, yep. being nine and a half months here in a bear market. So you just got to take back, take a deep breath, and, uh, you know, not try to oversteer here. That's in, right. In this bear market. So good topic. All right. And that leads us up here to our next thing, and that is the question of the week. And so, John, the question is, you know, if you have some extra cash, you know, in your savings account, um, what can you do to earn more than the bank's paying? I mean, the bank's giving you, you know, just the, the measly, you know, quarter of a percent or something on your savings account in today's world. We know you can earn more. We know money markets are paying more north of 2% now. Um, but there is a way you can do even more than that. And that is, um, you know, there's still this thing out there called I-bonds um, where you can put $10,000 per year per person into I-bonds, and you have to do that on Treasury Direct. Um, and the thing to keep in mind here is that uh, right now they're paying 9.6%. It's not bad. Um, and it's a fantastic yield because they're related to inflation, and <laughs> yeah. inflation's been super high lately. But that resets every six months. And so uh, that's going to reset in November, and the word on the street is it's going to drop to 6.4%. Yeah, I don't know what... Something like that. I don't know what they're looking at, but I don't either. Six point four is not what we're seeing. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but still, but that's a pretty good rate. It's um, pretty good rate. But what I understand is that you get that nine point four for six months if you buy it now before November. So consider going out and doing that. Yeah, and there's some caveats. You have to hold it for a year. That's right. So that's that's the minimum hold time. If you take it out before five years and you lose three months of interest, but Gosh, if it's paying exactly. that much in interest, um, you know. Still going to beat a money market savings yeah. account or something like yeah. that. Probably wouldn't so. put emergency fund. You want to make sure you have that liquid because there is a year hold period. But if you have money above the emergency fund, it's a reasonable option. Exactly. So anyway, still an opportunity for that to get that 9.6% apparently for six months. Um, but go on Treasure Direct, read all the details about that. And uh, yeah, if you have $10,000, you can type for a year. Um Great place to go do that. And, um, you know, it's full faith and credit of the U.S. government. So yes. Doesn't get much more safer than that. So, all right. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that's a sneak preview of next year's predictions by, um, you know, Wall Street's finest, right? Yeah. This is written by a guy named Sam Rowe. He also goes by um, a nickname of Teeker. Uh, I don't hmm. know what that has to, I don't know what that is, but. Anyway, he just um, he kind of uh, looks at um, the forecast and puts together articles and so forth. Uh, this was uh, just a couple days ago, and Steve, we st- we we we're in a bear market. Um, October started out very positive, um, and it was up about six percent in two days, but then right. it shed shed most of those gains in the in the following uh, week. Yeah, yeah weeks. So I mean, the the S and P five hundred index, which is. Um, you know, it's it's the 500 largest stocks. It's not the perfect index, but it is something that people benchmark. It's down, um, you know, about 25% roughly since it's high back on January the 3rd. And so certainly been a really difficult year. So it's always fun to, to go back and look at 
well, last year at this time, what were the you know prognosticators predicting for this year? So, um, yeah. markets have definitely been moving. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and there's there's a lot to be said about you know what's moving the markets. Um, but one thing is clear. I mean, none of Wall Street's most prominent market strategists really saw this sell-off coming this year. Um, because John, when you look back at last December. You know, whenever all those strategists were making their big predictions from the major Wall Street firms, 14 strategists that are followed by a ticker um, had 2022 predictions for this year for the S&P 500 between 4,400 and 5,300 by the end of the year. Um, so at the time, that implied one-year returns in the range of minus 3% to plus 17%. Yeah. A little, little Hard, off. We, yeah, we may not even get to that range, much less to that average. So, <laughs> if yeah. we got to that range, I think everybody would be, be static at this point because it's off twenty five percent and getting right. down to three percent. So, yeah, it'd be hard to see us getting back to minus even minus three by yeah. the end of the year. But I'm just saying, yeah. So these these analysts were way off in their predictions. Um, so yeah, these these there's just no way to predict the next year, is there? Yeah, there's not. And you know, it's difficult to to predict these for these. Yeah, I mean, these are the most experienced, well-sourced professionals in the industry. And and so, you know, 2022 was way off. So, what does 2023 say? And so, there's, you know, there's probably 14 strategists and firms that are putting this out. Um, you know, some of the names, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, um, UBS, Credit uh, Suisse is another one. Um, and they all are projecting um, returns next year of four to fifteen percent. Um, so again, wow, that's from now. That's from today. That's right. Right. So yeah. That's pretty poor. <laughs> yeah, it's not. That's not a super, it's but it's even, still positive. Yeah, right? it's not even a full recovery. But it just shows how hard it is. I mean, it is. And and generally speaking, the strategists um, they, they look in, looking at earnings. They're trying to project the earnings. And then they put a, a PE multiple in the in the mid to high teens. Um, most of these analysts expect inflation to cool significantly next year, and it, which would allow the Federal Reserve to to ease up on the hawkish monetary policy stance, which basically means they wouldn't be increasing the interest rates as quickly or at all. And um, you know, there's there's really there's really no way to um, to forecast these. And this this next discussion we're going to have is interesting because they really don't like doing this. <laughs> Yeah, they really don't. You know, I mean, you know, most of these equity analysts, they produce these incredibly rigorous, you know, high quality research that reflects their deep understanding of what drives markets. Unfortunately, they're usually wrong, you know. <laughs> so, you know, they they say the mo these pros apparently say the one of the most valuable things they give um, really doesn't have a lot to do with these one year targets, um, you know, and it's 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 because. They they're doing this for their popular clients and yeah. you know their clients want it right, um, but uh, they say don't dismiss their work just because their one year target is so far off the mark. It's interesting that they don't want to do it, but I think they're being required because clients want to know, hey, what's next year? I mean, we get asked that all the time, right? And I found it interesting. So DFA Dimensional Fund Advisors, it's a mutual fund company that we use on their podcast that they did um, a week or two ago. Um, they said that their ask, you know, our returns going to be positive, and they're like their answer is always yes. I mean, just because you you invest in the stock market because you right. believe it's going to be up more than it it's going to go down. No one can predict the timing on it, but you know, it's it's impossible um, to 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 predict the accuracy of the stock market. 
um, in a month or a year. Um, in addition to the countless number of variables, um, there's also you know totally unpredictable developments. I mean, look at the pandemic that occur along the way. Look at inflation. No one really predicted inflation to be this high. Yeah. Um, strategy, you know, strategists often revise their targets when new information comes out. We've seen that this year. And uh, some of the numbers you'll see about um, you know, the forecast for next year will continue to change. Um, but it kind of gives you a sense of which Wall Street firm is um, bullish or, or bearish by these numbers. But most of the time, you know, the next year, they're, they're always going to be positive. There's not many right. time, many years that they come out and say it's going to be negative. That's right. Yeah, and it's so unpredictable. I mean, think about the beginning of the year. The, the, they were expecting the Fed to raise interest rates a quarter percent for three or four times throughout the year. That's what they were expecting. And my goodness, they've raised every single meeting since March, yeah. and they've raised three-quarters yeah. percent three times in a row yeah. now. So that just shows you how much it changed and how unpredictable it is. And that's obviously a major event that affects the stock market with all this inflation. So, uh, so yeah, it's unpredictable. Don't don't put too much stock in these these predictions. But yeah, don't uh, make decisions off of them. Certainly, that's right. yeah. Just know the long term, the stock market is on your side. I mean, it has give it has produced very good positive returns yeah. that beats inflation. It's up seventy five percent of the time. Of yeah. the years. That's what we've seen historically. That's so. it. And that's what you have to base your decisions on. So, all right, good topic. And that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this is um, this is an interesting prescription. It's, um, you know, figuring out what your life expectancy is. So when, when Matthew and I have conversations about Social Security specifically, we always say, if we knew when you were going to pass away, I could tell you the right. exact right answer. Because there is a right answer. Yeah, there is a right based answer. Based on when someone passes away, but obviously no one knows that, um, nor do we want to know that. But um, there are some factors that come into play about life expectancy. Sometimes we have folks that say, hey, our, our family is living into their 90s. Um, so that comes into play. Some people come in and have health issues. Uh, that comes into play. But there's two websites here that uh, if you're interested in this, go check it out. One of them is livingto100.com. So that's L-I-V-I-N-G-T-O 100.com. Uh, and then the other one is longevityillustrator.org. And it actually goes through a series of questions, your lifestyle, education, medical family history, and it gives you a projection based on what you're putting in. So interesting. it's more than a, uh, you know, a finger in the air with the wind. It's um, a little bit more data-driven. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, go check it out. May, may help you make some decisions um, you know, if you have longevity on your side. Yeah, I think a lot of times just looking at your family is probably the best <clears throat> estimate genetically of yeah. <laughs> you know, what your life expectancy is. But having said that, you know, I mean, if you stay healthy, it, I mean, they can beat a lot of things that yeah. used to get you. So, that's right. um, so yeah, but that's a good good fact of the good prescription of the week for sure. All right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We would love to hear from you. You can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 